Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. First, I want to tell you a story. Anybody want to guess what the U.S., one of the, the well, it's actually now the fastest growing U.S. export is? The thing, the fastest growing U.S. export. Chase, I think I told you what it is, so you're disqualified. <laughs> Avery. Yes, yeah, I kind of gave you a little bit of a hint. Um, the fastest growing U.S. export is not our Ford automobiles. Um, it's not our entertainment. It's even not even the movies. The, the fa- it's not the top export, but it's the fastest growing export in the U.S. is trash. Did you know this? That we, the U.S., we're running out of room to put our trash, especially in large cities. So what we do is we load our trash onto these barges, and we send them to developing countries, third world countries like Dominican Republic, Haiti, Singapore, Jamaica. Um, and, and, we, and we pay them to let us dump our trash in their country. Isn't that crazy? You know, um, it's not like necessarily, I don't mean this to be like an indictment on America, but I, I say that to tell you there's this incredible story. This has been going on for decades now. We've been exporting our trash. Well, there was a big crisis in Philadelphia in 1988 because the Republican National Convention was going to be in Philadelphia in 1988. And while that was going on, and they had all these people in, the sanitation department workers went on strike. Now, you know the sanitation department. You know what that means, right? The people that collect the garbage and that process the garbage and take it to the dump, they went on strike. So the city of Philadelphia has all these people, thousands and thousands of people who have come to the city, who have thrown away all this garbage, and they have nowhere to put all their garbage. So they put it on this ship, and this ship is called the USS Pelicano. And they load it down with, get this, 12 million tons of garbage. Excuse me, 12,000 tons of garbage. <laughs> 12,000, it, it's, they, they, say, they, say it, they say it's 12,000 tons of garbage. So can you imagine like a ton of garbage, how much that would be? But 12,000 tons of garbage is loaded onto this ship and it's bound for Haiti. As the ship is, 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 is steaming down to Haiti, Haiti changes their policy on accepting U.S. trash, and they're like, you know, they give them one of these fingers, and they're like, we're not going to take your trash anymore. So when this ship gets to Haiti, they can't dump their garbage. They get turned away by the the Haitian uh, Border Patrol. So what the ship does is they say, you know what, we're not going to listen to you, and we're going to dump our trash anyway. So they dump about 4,000 tons in Haiti before they literally get run out of the country, and they have to sail. So they, they go to the neighboring Dominican Republic to dump the rest of it. You know what the DR says? We don't want you a trash either. So then they're like, well, we can go to Jamaica and dump our trash back at Jamaica. Jamaica says, uh-uh-uh, you can't do that, man. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so they, they, they say, well, we'll have to go back to the U.S. and take it back to the U.S. Well, you know what? They go back to Philadelphia. You know what Philadelphia says? You're not bringing that trash back here. You can't dump that trash. So they start literally sailing, or not sailing, but they start you know, driving around the ocean, literally around the world, trying to find a place to dump their trash. They make it all the way to Singapore. And Singapore's like, uh-uh. Because what they tried to do is they tried to change the name of the ship so they could be like, you know, they could get away with it and not have to, you know, and, and kind of go in under the radar, but Singapore figures it out. So there's like, this ship, I kid you not, sailed around the ocean, for 18 years, 
from port to port to port to port, being rejected and rejected. And I am not, I promise I am not making this up. I will post the article. This is well documented. So I tell you what, when we get into tag, I will show you the article. But please don't Google right now because I don't want you to only be thinking about trash. Okay? So, but, but ju just a couple years ago, they no finally negotiated a deal and got to dump their trash. But do you ever feel like the USS Pelicano, that you keep getting rejected wherever you go, and you bounce from friend group to friend group to friend group and from person to person to person, and they see you from a distance, you know, they kind of get to know you as an acquaintance and, and they're cool with you, but then the closer you get to them, they start to kind of realize you got trash in your life. <laughs> and they're like, ah, don't you bring your trash over here. And have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt rejected or like you're not good enough to be around certain people? We're talking about, we're talking about labels, and as we're talking about labels tonight, we're dealing with the labels the world puts on us, and it has to do with like our inadequacy or our value. And so many times people, and I don't, they don't always mean to do this, but they say, they give you the label, Psh, you're not valuable. Psh, you're unworthy. And sometimes it comes from, comes in the, in the way of like somebody is talking to you and then somebody more important comes into the room so they automatically gravitate to that person and leave you kind of behind. Um, sometimes it has to do with someone who you went out with and then all of a sudden they're like, you know what, I don't like you anymore. That's why there's so many country songs about breaking up, right? She would get down with somebody I know. I guess that's just how it goes when you break up in a small town, right? Um, there are millions and millions and millions and millions of <laughs> breakup country songs, right? Because your country goes right to the heart. Some people say country music goes right to the heart. It's just a shame it has to go through the ears. Um, but some of you just got that, right? So, but, but, but there's a reason those, there's so many breakup songs is because when somebody breaks up with you, no matter how like, nice they can be, <laughs> even if they pull the Jesus card and they're like, I just need to date Jesus for a little while. You know, even if they try to pull like, you know, the God told me I don't, you know, we're not supposed to be together anymore, it still feels like, what does it feel like? It feels like somebody says, you're not good enough. You're unworthy. And it makes us feel inadequate. You ever feel like everybody's bigger, smarter, faster, more coordinated than you are? You look on Instagram and you see pictures of everybody's best days and you compare them to your worst days and you feel inadequate. There are times that you failed, you bombed the test, and everybody else in the class is great. Um, you failed morally or spiritually and everybody knows that you failed and now everybody's got you written off. Because you, you failed. Um, sometimes it has to do with, I know parents mean well, but sometimes your parents have expectations for your grades that are like up here, and your grades are like right here. You know what I mean? And your parents are just like, why can't you do better in school? And you're like, I'm trying my hardest. And you feel like you just can't, can't measure up. And people don't always mean to put that, these labels on us, but they give us these labels that have to do with our worth. And they make us think we're not valuable, that nobody cares, that we are not as good as the people across the room from us, or we're not as good as our brother or our sister. 
and we, we, we feel just this. You ever met, have you ever been made to feel like this big? I hate it. And I know you hate it too. So the question we're asking, I didn't mean to get real deep there, but the question we're asking is, what are the labels that God puts on us? Like, we need to, we, you know, we, we want to reject the labels the world puts on us and, 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 and take the labels that God put on us. So we talked about there are three people who have authority to put labels on us. First is the person who made something or created something, right? Apple has the authority to call their iPhone the iPhone because guess what? They made it, right? Um, the next is someone who purchases something. If I buy something, if I buy, I just bought a truck. So when I bought a truck, you know what happened? When I handed the cash over to this guy, you know what he handed me? He handed me the title and a receipt that said, Matt McClay bought this truck. So if anybody wants to know, you know, if anybody's got a problem with the fact that I'm going to change something on my truck, if I'm going to put 22-inch spinners on my truck, you know what? I don't care what anybody says because I just bought the truck, so I can do whatever I want with it. So then the third thing is, is, is the person who owns something. If you own something, you can label it, right? Well, what we're going to learn, what we learned last week and what we're going to continue to learn is that Jesus created you, he bought you, and he owns you. So he's the one that really is really the only one with a, any authority to label you. Last week, we learned that Jesus labels you as his masterpiece because he's your creator. And he says, you know, you may look in the mirror and you may see a hot mess, but he looks at you and he sees a masterpiece. He sees someone who he created to be short or he created to be tall or he created to be however it is that you are. He created you that way. Tonight, what does Jesus say about your value? Because Jesus bought you. We're going to learn about this. Jesus paid the price to buy you. What does that say? I'll give you a hint. Jesus says, the label he puts on you, Jesus says you're valuable. Jesus says you're valuable. Even though everyone else is telling you that you're not worth anything, that you don't measure up, Jesus says you're valuable. We're going to look at one verse tonight, just one portion of Scripture, and it's in Galatians 2, verse 20. It's like one, like it's one, it's one, this, this, is, this is a verse that I would memorize, by the way. Like if you haven't memorized, this is a good verse to memorize. Put it on a sticky note, put it on your forehead, right backwards, put it on your forehead so every time you look in the mirror you can see this. Um, you put it on the steering wheel of your car, um, unless it's going to be distracting and you're an easily distracted driver. Um, don't do that. Um, but this, this is an incredible verse, and you, this is one you do well to memorize. And this is how it reads. It says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So why does Jesus say you're valuable? Let's kind of break this verse down real quick, and then we're going to talk about it. The first thing that you notice about this verse is that Christ, and by the way, if you're, not, if, you're, if you're a Christian, this is speaking exactly to who you are. Like if you're a Christian, this is who you are. This is what you are. If you're not a Christian, what I would encourage you to do is think about this because this is what it means to become a Christian. So if you're kind of like on the fence and you're like, these people seem okay and they're nice and you know, I kind of like what Matt has to say, but I don't know if I consider myself a Christian. This is kind of like the sales pitch of what it means to be a Christian. So think about this. Okay. So the first thing that we notice about this verse is Christ lives in you. If you're a Christian, Christ lives in you. Jesus lives in you. Um, I don't know if any of you are fans of Jack, like 24, Jack Bauer. It's kind of like an older show, but it's all on Netflix, and it's the perfect binge-watching show because there, it, each episode is an hour of a 24-hour day. So you could probably spend 24 straight hours watching it almost like one episode. So, I mean, if, next time you're sick, next time you have a snow day, 
over spring break, like, I would highly recommend binging on this show. Uh, but, but in here, Jack Bauer, he's like kind of your ultimate American hero type guy. And, like, he's one of those. It's, it's almost unbelievable because he'll go into a building that's full of, like, you know, ISIS insurgents. And it'll be him and a pistol with, like, two bullets. And he'll have, like, 20 guys on the ground in two minutes. You know, he can clear, he can clear the building. He can clear the building. Look at what it says here, what I've highlighted. It says, Christ lives in me. When you put your faith in Jesus, you know the first thing he does? He comes into your life and he clears the building. He replaces the sin in your life with his righteousness. And he replaces um, the death in your life with his, with his life. And he, Jesus comes in and he replaces, he, he replaces things. It's, it's, I call it the replacement principle. Christ lives in you. If you're a Christian, first off, know that you're valuable specifically because of who's inside you. You know, people try to put labels on your outside if they only knew what was inside you. If they only knew the power that was inside you. Christ lives in you. And that's kind of like this whole verse is centered around this idea. Christ lives in me. Well, how did Christ, how did Christ live, come in to live in you? How did that happen? If you look back in the verse, um, you're going to see how that happened. Um, it's that you're not who you used to be. Jesus remade you. Jesus remade you. Look at the beginning of this verse and see what it says. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. You can go to the next slide, Jake. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not. Uh, think about this. When I read this at first, I'm like, this sounds very like <laughs> um, depressing maybe. Because it said I've been crucified. I've been executed. When you, when you see crucified, think executed, because that was the Roman method of execution at the time. So, I've been executed with Christ. Well, that's positive and encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, I've been executed. Why is that such good news? Why do you think it's such good news that you've been, that you've been killed? You've been executed. It's because just like that freight liner that had a lot of trash in it, the Bible says that our lives since our birth and because of the choices that we've made, have a lot of trash in it. You've got some junk in the trunk. Look to the person next to you and say, I've got some junk in the trunk. <laughs> got some junk in the trunk. So, so here's, here's what the Bible says, and here's why it's so important. Here's why it's so important. That junk in the trunk isn't just junk. It's called sin. It's the choices that we've made, the wrong things we've done, and... You don't have to look back very far in your life to see times, and me included, by the way, times where you've messed up and you've done wrong and you've rebelled against God, and that's, that's sin. And the Bible says, God says, the payment for sin, the price for sin, is death. What this verse says and this I've been crucified with Christ says is that that price and that payment has been satisfied. Because you were executed with Christ. And you say, now Matt, let's, let, let's get real here. It says I've been executed, but look, <sighs> I'm breathing. My eyes are blinking. I can look at myself in the mirror. I can hit my neighbor in the face. Like, like I'm alive, but this says I've been executed. What in the world, Matt? It says I've been executed how? I've been crucified how? With Christ. Jesus paid the price for you. So when Jesus was executed, when Jesus died, 
he took all your junk with him in the, to, to the cross and into the grave, and your junk has been paid for. We live our life like the USS Pelicano, and we're searching for someone who will take our junk. <laughs> See, people get close to you, and they realize the bad things, you know, the not-so-good things about you and the, and, and, and the tendencies that you have. Maybe you're the kind of person that gets mad at mad at someone or you're the kind of person that flies off the handle you know, they, they start to see the real you and, and even though you're you're you can be a good person you're not a perfect person right Jesus died for your trash Jesus died for your sin and Jesus was the only one who could take that payment for your sin you want to know why if I've got a speeding ticket that I can't pay if I get a thousand dollar speeding ticket and Andrew gets a thousand dollar speeding ticket and I don't have the money to pay for my $1,000 speeding ticket. Can I come and tell Andrew, hey, Andrew, I'm going to pay for your ticket because you're my buddy? I can't do that because I don't got the money, right? I can't do it. I have a sin debt, so I can't pay for your sin debt. You have a sin debt, so you can't pay for my sin debt. Who was the only person to walk the earth that didn't have a sin debt because he didn't sin? Jesus, right? Jesus. He was the only one. So Jesus, when we, when we were crucified with Jesus, it meant our old life, our sinful nature, our trash was crucified with Christ. So you're not who you used to be. You used to be a freight liner with junk in the trunk, sailing around the ocean, trying to find someone who would accept you for who you are. But then you found Jesus. You're not who you used to be. The final thing that we see is that the more you grow your faith, the more you'll understand your worth in Christ. And here's where the value thing really kicks in. Read the, read the second part of this verse and tell me it doesn't just tickle your fancy. Tell me it doesn't just butter your biscuits. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, that's Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. You want to know what Jesus thinks about you? first thing you need to know is Jesus loves you. You know how when, when your babies, well, you don't remember when you're a baby, but you know how babies, they have to get shots? And you probably remember having to get shots when you're, you have to get those boosters when you're like, I guess, 11, 12 years old. You get those shots, right? And, and you got to get a bunch of them before you can play sports and that kind of stuff. You know what those shots do? They inoculate you from getting viruses and getting diseases. You know what, how they do that? They give you just enough of that disease to where your body can fight it off so, it, so your body will build up a resistance to that disease. Can I, my concern is that sometimes, because especially those of you that have been in church a long time, sometimes you get inoculated to the love of God because you've heard it so many times that your body builds up, your, your mind and your heart and your soul build up a resistance to it. And you're like, yeah, I know Jesus loves me. Big, big, hairy freaking deal. That's how most of us approach the love of God. Think about the sin debt you had. Think about the fact that no one else could shoulder it, and no one else could, could, could carry it, and Jesus did. He loves you. He loves you. Jesus loves you. There's another label we're not even talking about yet, and we're not even going to get to, but there's another label you could put on yourself from Jesus is loved. But it says, he loved me, and here's, here's you want to talk about your worth. He gave himself for me. Jesus gave himself for you. You know the cost of your trash, the cost of the sin in your life was incredibly high. 
I mean, it was incredibly, incredibly high. Jesus bought you back when you didn't even want him to buy you back. You're like, I don't need Jesus. I don't want Jesus. But yet he still hung on the cross and paid for your sin debt. The Bible gives a foreshadowing of what Jesus did in the Old Testament in, in a book called Hosea. Any of y'all ever read Hosea? We did a lesson on it like two years ago. And Hosea was a prophet of God. And this is literally what God told Hosea to do. He said, Hosea, I want you to marry a harlot. I want you to marry a prostitute. And Hosea's like, God, I think something like, when you spoke to me, I think your words got messed up in the atmospheric pressure when they came into earth. Because I definitely didn't hear you right, because I thought you said marry a prostitute. <laughs> and God's like, yeah, you heard me. Marry a prostitute. So Hosea is an obedient prophet of God, so he, he marries a, a, a woman who is a known prostitute. He has three kids with her. This is a true story, by the way. This is, this is in the Bible. This has happened. This is, we have a verified record of Hosea's life. He, has, he thinks he has three kids with her, but it turns out those three children were results of her cheating on him with other guys. And then she totally moves out of his house and sells herself back into prostitution. God speaks to Hosea again, and he says, Hosea, I want you to go buy your wife back out of prostitution. She had sold herself into prostitution where she was literally a, a sex slave at that point. And Hosea goes back, and even though she did not want to come back with him, he had to pay to buy back his own bride. He paid, he bought back his own bride, and he moved her back into his house, and he said, you're going to stay with me because I love you. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us. Because think about this lady who she just kept going back to her old way of life. She couldn't do it on her own, so her husband... Hosea had to buy her back. We can't please God on our own. So what did God do? He sent his only son to pay for us. And do you want to know how high the cost was? If you ever want to know how high the cost was, we don't have time tonight, but turn to the book of John and read the prayer that Jesus prayed right before he died. It said he was crying. He said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. He was sweating so profusely and so heavily and he was in such stress and agony that capillaries in his head burst open, blood capillaries burst open, and along with the sweat came out drops of blood from his forehead because he was so intense, because he knew he was going to have to suffer death. He was going to have to suffer a Roman execution with being whipped, having his beard pulled out being beaten, having nails driven through his hands and his side and his feet and a spear in his side. And he knew all of that was going to happen. So he prays this prayer. Jesus does. He says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup, let this punishment pass from me. If there's any other way for people to be redeemed, for people to be saved, and for people to be bought back, will you let this cup pass from me? And we know how it ended. Jesus paid it all. He went on the cross and he paid it all. Jesus carefully counted the cost. God carefully counted the cost of what it would take to save you and to buy you back. What did it cost God? It cost God his only son. I don't know if I, just being honest guys, I don't know if I'd give up my little girl to save your life because I love my little girl. God gave his only son. Jesus, for the first time ever, suffered separation 
from God the Father. God the Father, for the first time ever, suffered separation from Jesus. Jesus had to feel the weight of all of our junk, of all of our sins being put on him. And he had to pull himself up on the cross to breathe those last agonizing breaths before he died. And the last words he said was, it is finished. In Aramaic, the words he would have said would be, to die. And when he said, it is finished, he meant it. Your sins, your junk, were paid for on the cross. So the more, this is why it says we live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for you because the more you understand what Jesus did for you, the more you'll understand your worth in Christ. Jesus says you're valuable, not just with his words, but with his actions on the cross. So what do we do with this? First thing, don't forget that they're all F words, by the way. I got F words tonight. I'm working so hard, and I've got four of them. So, um, <laughs> so we got F words. Here's, here's the first F word. Here's the first F word, and sometimes I see this situation way too often. Don't forget the value of others. Don't forget the value of others. The same God that bore your sins on the cross and paid for your sins paid for the sins of the world. So don't forget the value of others. Every person that walks into the park was, is valuable to God. Every person you brush into at school, valuable to God. People are valuable to God. How dare we forget the value of others? The next F word um, is fine diamonds in the rough. Find people that are all messed up because of all the junk in their lives and be able to see them through the eyes of God. I love 1 John 2, too. It says, he, meaning Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice, meaning the payment for our sins. And not only our sins, not only my sins and your sins, but the sins for the whole world. So guess what? God died for people that aren't in this room just as much as he died for people that are in this room. So we should figure out how to reach the people that aren't in this room with the gospel of Christ so they can know the forgiveness and they can know their value just like we know our value. So we need to find people, you know, they're not going to be easy to, <laughs> to talk to. They're going to be stressing about their junk just like sometimes we stressed about our junk and sometimes we still do. But we got to find them. We got to have the eyes of God to find diamonds in the rough. Here's the next thing. This applies to you. Filter the voices that speak into your life. I'm telling you, if you don't remind yourself who you are in Christ, you're going to forget because every, from music to TV shows to people at school to sometimes even authority figures in our life, there are people that are trying to, and they don't always mean to do this, but there are people that will undermine your understanding of who you are in Christ. There are people that will make you feel this big. So here's what I've learned. I'll listen to anyone, but guess what? I'm going to weigh what God says about me ten times heavier, and I'm going to weigh what somebody else says about me who's not God. So filter the voices that speak into your life. And here's the final thing. Fix your thoughts daily on who you are in Christ. Uh, I put this picture of our refuel app on here because if, if you have our, our refuel app, what you can see if you go to the notes section is we have a, a page, a deck, a, 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 
It's called Who Am I on the notes section. And it's 34 declarations from the Bible about who you are in Christ. So you want to remember who you are in Christ and you want to remember that you're valued and that you're loved and you're his, pressure, you're his treasured possession and that you're his child and that you're a member of the family of God and that you're chosen and that you're uh, you, all these things on here. Get on there and just, when you've got, when you're got the hall pass to go to the bathroom at school, I know you're not supposed to have your phones out, but I know you do anyway, so if you're going to look at your phones and you're going to risk getting them taken away, why don't you get a risk getting them taken away to find out who you are in Christ, right? Um, so fix your thoughts daily on who you are in Christ. If you don't remind yourself, nobody else will. So it's up to you. So think about who you are in Christ. I've got my friend Paco here. He's going to finish us off. Paco has had all these labels put on him. And when he looks at himself in the mirror, all he can see are the labels because he can't see underneath really who he really is. Who he really is is valuable. These are Wyatt's ones. I don't know why Wyatt carries this many ones. kind of concerns me. Um, <laughs> but underneath the labels is your value. So you've got to fix your thoughts daily on who you are in Christ. So I'm going to pray for you guys. We're going to get out of tag. Um, but while I'm praying, maybe you just need to thank God for what he did for you. Maybe you need to claim the promise of God. So let's pray together. Um, Father, we can't thank you enough. We can't be moved enough. We can't put an, into enough words what you did for us and who we are in you. So Father, I pray that, um, that, that you'll fix our thoughts, that you'll remind us of our value that will make so much of a deal about Jesus because he did so much for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.